And now, from beyond our dimension, this is the Jeff Mara Podcast. Here's Jeff. My guest is Artin Ternegerhosian, who had a near-death-like experience due to a motorcycle crash, which we're going to learn about today. Artin, thank you so much for being my guest, and welcome. It's my pleasure. Thank you. Welcome, Jeff. All right. Well, if you don't mind, let's, I guess, start on the day that your crash happened and go from there. I'll roll into that. So I'll set it up a little bit. We're, uh, I'm 19 years old, and I've met a new friend in the gym, Stephen, and he was, he was an avid motorcycle rider. I had never ridden a motorcycle before, and through my friendship with Stephen, I got really interested. I liked it. So initially, I used to be just his pillion passenger, which means on the back of his bike, and we'd go for rides together. And a little bit down the track, I went and bought myself a motorcycle uh, to the horror of my family, and they didn't want me to have it, right? And I was ordered to get rid of it. Um, and I pretended to get rid of it, and I didn't get rid of it. I simply stashed it at my brother-in-law's garage. So on a particular day, what we did is we would go to the gym, train together. Afterwards, we'd go pick up my bike. And as a pair, we'd go riding together. And we were at, we'd stop for a pit stop at um, Burger King. And uh, as we were eating, I said to Steve, and I said, oh, Steve, I said, I've got this really weird feeling today that one of us won't be riding after today anymore. It's the last last time we're riding together. I had this premonition, this real deep inner feeling of dread, right? And it was a gorgeous, gorgeous day, Jeff. It was another really nice spring, summery, chirpy. The birds are chirping. Everything's fantastic. Gorgeous day. So we did go riding. Nothing happened. Spent a really nice day together. Dropped my bike off at Michael's, my brother-in-law. And so he would have been about 50 kilometers away from where I live. We were tracking back now towards Melbourne, which is where, the, where I live. And uh, on the Nepean Highway, we we're approaching an intersection called Canadian Bay Intersection. I remember this place always because it's got a beautiful white nursery on, on, on one of the sides. As we were approaching, uh, I had a habit of always looking at Steve's speedo, see how fast we were going. And he was going quite fast. It was a really nice, beautiful, big bike. Uh, it was a Kawasaki. And as we were going, I noticed we were doing about 137 kilometers an hour. So we we're going really fast. We were approaching the intersection and I can see a small truck like a truck with wool bars trying to negotiate a right hand turn through the intersection. And my first thought was, oh, crap, this guy's going to go. And he did. And as he went for it, we were heading straight head on into his bull bars. And everything slows down, uh, like the Matrix movie. It, 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 every second kicks over very slowly. And my first thought was, this is it. We're going to die. Um, it's more of a realization, actually. It's not even a thought. You, you realize, oh, I'm going to die. The second thought was, 
what have I done to my mum? I felt really sad that I had basically um, killed her son, so to speak. It's it's something you don't want to do. You don't want to see your mum go through that. So I had a huge sense of uh, regret and, and a huge sense of sorrow for my mother, right? Personally, for yourself, you don't feel, at that time, you don't feel any fear. You don't feel any uh, any 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 fear let's just say you don't you don't think of yourself as a victim or as something bad's going to happen you just say oh i'm going to die now mm. it's a matter of fact thing you surrender to it as i had that thought about my mother for lack of a better term i heard a voice right or let's just say i was aware of a voice and I can't tell you if it was a male or a female, but I can tell you this voice was beautiful, beautiful, right? And the voice said, Arden, don't be afraid. You're going to be okay. Your, you, your heart is clean or your heart is pure along those lines. And that was it, right? And my thought was, yeah, right, we're going to be okay. <laughs> I thought to myself, what a ridiculous, stupid thing to think or to be what's going I was actually baffled as to what is this now, right? As we were approaching further, split seconds, I was aware of a sensation of warmth or heat, just going through my body, right, and enveloping me, a real, real sense of cocoon protection, right? I'm staring at the truck, I'm staring at the bull bars, and then we collide. There's this massive explosion of sounds, right? That point is a little bit blurry. The impact itself is a little bit blurry. But I still remember flying across the windshield and looking into the eyes of the guy driving the truck and reading his lips saying, like, Hmm. seeing his horror, right? And then literally flying across and then over, landing on my butt with my hands spread out and then looking at my hands and from the impact of that, landing my hands actually shot through my gloves it broke through the gloves i'm looking at my shoes my boots my big leather boots boots riding boots and i'm thinking oh look the soles popped off like crazy and i'm sliding down the middle of the road and there's cars coming from either way and i'm thinking to myself gee when am i going to stop sliding i felt like i was sliding forever like and sure enough I landed on a little traffic island. We call it a traffic island where there's like um, a, a pole or a sign or something, right? And I landed on my back like a starfish. The the bike, whatever was left of it, half of it slaps next to me. And then Stephen is on the other side of the bike. Now, Stephen is in horrendous pain, right? He's screaming. He's yelling. He's gurgling he's in tremendous pain i'm actually thinking wow i never heard any human make these types of sounds before myself i'm in shock 
when I say starfish, I mean it. I'm like literally spread out like a starfish on my back, looking at the sky. I, at that point, I was too scared to move. I, I thought to myself, well, I'm all right now. I, I mean, I'm, I'm still in one piece. I can see it. My body's throbbing in the same way as when you hit your nail, uh, your, your finger with a hammer, or when you jam a finger. I don't know if you've ever done that. It sort of throbs from the pain, right? My whole body was akin to that throbbing. Even my temple was throbbing. A chunk of my helmet is dangling down on one side. I can see that. People have stopped. People have gone to Stephen, not to me, because I'm not screaming. I'm, I'm quiet as a mouse, so they're trying to help Stephen. Um, the ambulance has arrived. The fire brigade has arrived. The police have arrived. At this point, I'm trying to gather my courage to move but I'm afraid just in case I can't move I've damaged myself a police officer comes with his helmet under, he was a motorcycle police officer has his helmet under his arm and back then in Australia the police would wear a leather onesie you know what a onesie is yeah like a one piece leather outfit it made them look like they were wearing a onesie a baby had a, had a big gut he's looking at me he's going son have you seen what you've done to the truck, right? And I've said, I haven't had a chance to get up and look. That was my remark, right? He goes, son, you should be dead. Son, you should be dead. Son, you should be dead. He just kept repeating. And I had, <laughs> and I didn't want to hear that at that point anyway, so I was freaking out. To cut to the chase, Stephen gets taken away. Then they come to me. They cut all your clothes off. Um, and then all of a sudden, I went into this, wow, just let me get up and walk mode. And I literally stood up and, and I tried to walk and everyone's freaking and going, oh, don't move, don't move. You know, you could have damage inside, blah, 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 blah. And they put me into the ambulance and take me away. We go to Frankston Hospital. And as I'm being rolled in, they tell me to move out of the way because uh, us, they tell us to move out of the way because there's another guy coming, you know. There was a motorcycle accident. And the paramedics are saying, no, this is him. He's that he's that guy right on the back of that motorcycle. They go, no, 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 it can't be him. But there must be another one. This is because Stephen wasn't in a good way at all, right? And they're saying, no, this is him. Because I'm sitting up talking, uh, being jovial, and they're saying him. He's the pillion. I mean, they're saying, yeah. So they take me inside. They do X-rays, and I still remember the doctor, female doctor. She came into the room. She looked at me, she looked at her paperwork, and she said, um, she goes, look, you've got no injuries except your little toe on your foot. It's not broken, it's sprained. And I said, so I've got a little sprained toe. She goes, yeah, that's it. Now, mind you, Jeff, half my body, right, on the right-hand side was pink, black, and blue from the impact, Right. And what had happened, because the motorcycle is obviously between your legs, right? And you're sliding slightly sideways into the bull bars. Now, mind you, I could hear the bull bars bend like that. You know the movie Titanic, when the Titanic's bending, the steel snapping? That, oh, that strange noise. I could hear that. We'd snap the bull bars in half, right? But what had happened, my leg, because I'm a bit larger than Steve, so my shoulders, my legs are around Steve, cocooning Steve, got jammed between the motorcycle and the bull bar like a knife. 
like a guillotine, right? And she said, look, lucky you were on the bike because you saved Steve. If it wasn't for you, Steve's legs would have been cut off from the impact. You took the impact, right? So I'm the person that took the impact. Hence, I'm black and blue on that side. Steve wasn't. But he had internal injuries and, and much worse. He spent like six months in, in, in hospital and rehab to get put back together. He lost some parts, not, not, not limbs. Um, I won't get into what parts he lost. Uh, and uh, me, I went home. I was in shock. Now, as remember when I said to you that I felt that warmth? At that point... I'm not out of my body. I'm not in my body. I'm surrounding my body, right? Mm. Your, your consciousness is outside of your body in a sense that beyond your body at that point. That's the best way I can explain it, right? You're observing it, right? But you're not the experiencer inside your body, right? You can still filter into your body, right? But you're beyond it. And um, at that point... You feel, you feel a oneness, uh, but I don't want you to think, I don't want to explain it as you lose yourself. You don't lose yourself at all, right? It's a union. It's a, it's a, the best way I can explain it, if you've ever been in love and you hold that person that you're in love with, it's not like you turn into her, right? But you become one with that person, like a oneness, a, a union, Right? So there was no sense of losing my identity at all. That's, that, that was a really important fact I wanted to put across, right? I was in the gym training the next day doing squats. Mm. But something changed after that, Jeff. Something with, as, a, as myself completely changed. At first there was a time of like a, almost like a depression that I went through afterwards, which when I look now when I look back now, it wasn't so much a depression, but it was more like contemplation time, contemplating, right? And all of a sudden, also, I had more insights, like much more insight into broader things, like God, what is God, and why, what's the universe, has, had it all become, I started to get downloads, if that makes sense, mm-hmm. of information. Right. Or instead of saying a download, how about conceiving it as an inner release of information rather than receiving it from the outside. Think of it more like of something on the inside that's being released. It's already there, but it's coming to the surface, a, a remembering or, or a knowing. Because um, to say it's coming from the outside is to suggest inside, outside. And my understanding now is that the outside and the inside, it's all one, Right. You've already got all this knowledge inside of you and certain events release it, open it up. And that's what I believe happened to me. Well, thank you for sharing your experience with us. The voice that you heard, I know you said it wasn't male or female, but was it different from hearing your own voice? Absolutely. Okay. Did you feel like you heard it? Do you feel like you heard it from within your head or without of your head? See, we're going into the inside and outside. How about, let's conceive it as it's within yourself, 
But it's that distinct, it goes from in, out of yourself. Rather than from the outside coming into you, right? It's more from the inside of you shining outwards like a light. So it's, it's louder on the inside than it would be on the outside. Do you have any idea whose voice that was? It's either your guardian angel, and that's probably the less religious interpretation, right? Or it's what Christians would call the Holy Spirit. The reason why I say it was the Holy Spirit is because it was very gentle, yet very powerful. It was very sweet, but very, very not dominating. Yeah, let's just say dominating. It was very sweet, but dominant, that voice. I've always been a Christian. I've got to say that. I've always been one to feel close to God, talk to God from a Christian perspective. Do you think it was the voice's decision whether you were going to stay or not? No, it was more of a revelation that you're going to stay. It wasn't a decision. It was more because the the, the notion was you're going to be okay. You basically your time's not up. You've got you've got a good heart. Was was what, which I found to be a strange thing to say. Right. I'm sorry. Can you repeat that, please? It mentioned that I had a clean or a good heart, an innocent heart. Right. It acknowledged that. And it actually went a little bit further. It mentioned that in this moment, you didn't think of yourself. You thought of your mother. It said that. Like, hey, you know, you just thought of your mum. You're not being selfish. You're not being self-centered. Uh, that's, that's great. That's a sign of having a good heart. You're not, nothing's going to happen to you anyway. Don't, don't worry. It's okay. Don't be scared of him. It's fine. That's why I said, what a ridiculous thing to tell me in this moment at what I'm looking at, you're telling me not to be scared. It's going to be okay. Right, right, okay. Because remember, we're going extremely fast. I just looked at the speedo before impact. I guess uh, the reason that I asked that, is it because you are a selfless person that that was the reason you were able to stay? Mm, I don't think so, no. no. It did mention it more like a, like a note. It said, hey, you know what? You're, you're, you're a good guy or you're, you're, you're got a clean heart, right? It mentioned it, mm-hmm. but it didn't feel like that qualified me to stay. Okay. It, I don't think it was it. Yeah, it wasn't a qualification, no. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's amazing that all this dialogue and thought process went on in that small amount of time during your accident. Time itself... I'm not going to – I'm going to say exactly what everybody else says. Slows down. It does. But you're, you're even outside of time. Your right. body is what's inside of time. Your consciousness, your consciousness is never in time. Your consciousness experiences your body's perceptions of time. Hmm. That's why sometimes you, you can say, oh, gee, has it already been an hour? It only felt like five minutes. Right. That's your consciousness focusing on the event 
rather than the experience of the body in time. So when you focus on an event, right, like you're, in, you're, you're, you're busy doing something, putting something together, a hobby, six hours can go by and you feel like it was 45 minutes or an hour, correct? Right. Yep. So that's your, your consciousness, your awareness. You're focusing on the task at hand. I think we've all experienced moments where the event that we're experiencing overrides our perception of time. With that in, involved in the moment that time seems to either stop or fly, more like it stops and then all of a sudden when your perception of time starts again, you feel like half an hour has gone by, but in actual fact, two hours have gone by, right? That's because your consciousness is not time-bound. Your consciousness is only time-bound when it is experiencing through the senses of the body, okay? When it's shut off from other experiences and it's within its body experiencing through the body, right? When it's set free from the body senses and just focuses on the task or the event, people call that being in the zone. Athletes will call that being in the zone, right? All sorts of different things happen when you're in the zone. Perception changes, body physiology changes, right? Your pain tolerance changes, okay? So that, that's what was happening to me before, leading up to the actual crash. Those seconds, then you, it's, not, it's not correct to even call that event seconds because it's outside of seconds. It's outside of time. But what's outside of time is your consciousness experiencing the event, right? And because your consciousness is not experiencing the event through your body, your sense of time is relevant. You're experiencing events, not time frames. So an event, I mean, you, you cannot actually... You can't judge an event by time. It's, it's, it's an event is information. This happened. When you explain what happened, you explain what happened. You don't say 17 seconds we spoke and three seconds the person paused and five seconds later the car hit the wall. We don't explain it like that. We say we were having a chat, standing on the corner of the road, and then a car smashed through the door or something, right? So it's events, and events are pieces of information. It's interesting in your surrendering to the car accident. Did you feel like this death is inevitable because there was no way of, you know, avoiding this injury or accident? I was definitely convinced it was going to be death. But the best way I can explain to you what was really happening would be like this, right? You're a little child walking down the street holding your mother's hand, right? You're four or five years old. At that age, your mother is everything to you. She's your protector, your teacher. She's everybody to you, right? She's everything to you. And you perceive a threat, right? And what you would do as a child would be to hold your mother then, maybe grab a leg and wrap her leg, like just hold on to your mum even tighter right, and close your eyes. 
that feeling you would feel is what that surround surrendering feels like or is you are now letting go and holding on to that part of yourself that's connected to God. You're surrendering to that. You're saying almost like, oh, this is going to be a bad experience. I don't want to experience it. You're consciously closing your eyes and, and, and focusing on the God connection within you. You're retracting almost into your core. Why do you think you did that instead of experiencing fear? It was more like, I don't need to go through this. It was a choice. Like, I don't need to experience this. <laughs> you know, like, I don't need to experience body parts being ripped off. I'll surrender my body and I'm out of here. So earlier you were talking about when you are one with somebody else and you don't lose your own identity. Are you saying that yours and the other person's identity are together as two identities and you know the other person's thoughts or you're communicating with each other or what? Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Instead of using the word thoughts, think of it like you're aware of each other's emotions. You're perceiving a union, right? And that union, the space between the two hands, becomes a something. You're creating a something, okay? That's not – when two, two, two people that love each other come together – that connection between them is a thing of its own. So you've got you, you've got your partner, and then you've got the union between the two, which creates the, what we call the union. And that's where that's the space within which what you're experiencing. So you keep your identity, both of you, you're merging that, and that merging space between or that event in itself is a thing in itself for lack of a better term. That's what you experience. Hmm. Jeff, the greatest gift that, that creation has is the identity, the self. Without the self, the entire universe loses meaning. Right? And the, and the way we can understand that is if we agree to say, yep, this universe was created, okay? Whoever created it has given us attributes that it already has. So an identity is given because the creator has an identity, okay? And the whole point of creation is that identity that you have, that self-awareness, the, the I am, the free will, and there's a reason for that. The reason creation was created for you to be that I am. 
you weren't created to be an I am within creation. Right? And that goes back to the saying, I was, in, in, in biblical terms, I was before God created anything, I am. I, I existed before God created it, and you did. Right? Because the first thing that was created was the individuality. The reason being, and I'm going to keep this in very simple philosophical terms, is if we agree that in the beginning, the best way to understand that some people will say, because I have these discussions and people will say, and I will ask people, what's your greatest objection to the notion of a God, right, creating the universe? And they will say something like, well, where was God before the universe was created? Or how can God be? eternally without a beginning or an end or um and my response will by the way i will say well where did the gases come for the big bang to occur where were they because there was not time and space before the big bang right so where were these gases right and the way i explain it is like this consciousness isn't a something it's not a something Consciousness is awareness, a being. And as we discussed before, a being is not bound to time and space, right? So it's not a thing, an object. It doesn't need time or space. And if you want to play a word game to understand this, and tell me if I'm getting a little bit complicated off track, just pull me all right back up again, right? If in the beginning there was nothing, and we can agree on that, let's just agree. We don't have to understand it. Let's just say in the beginning there was nothing. Okay. Then isn't it true that in the beginning there was nothing? The truth is there was nothing, correct? Okay. Okay. Isn't the truth something? That truth is awareness. Look at it this way. See how the truth can be that there is nothing? And the truth is something, Right. So in the beginning, there was just this I am, awareness, which is what we call God, right? This one thing of awareness that had everything, that was everything, but the one thing that that awareness didn't have was company. Let's just look at it that way. You're all that there is, this, this consciousness, right? And when that consciousness said I am, that's why we call it the I am. I am. It realized, wow, I am. It's like an awareness. That, that thought in itself is what created the universe. It sparked what we call the Big Bang. From that I am awareness, realization, comes the potential of I am not. I am. I am not. Dualistic. The dualistic nature of the universe is due to this, right? And if I am, is there somebody else? Now, the else is born, the other. And through that process of thinking, what we call God created other beings, individual beings in thought, what we call thought energy, right? So you and I and everybody else listening to this is a thought in the consciousness of God. 
given individuality and free will to experience events with the sole purpose of growing your consciousness into higher and higher realms. Ultimately, I believe what God is doing is raising you up to be equal to it hmm. as one, but not the same. You keep Your individuality is the whole purpose of your creation. You will never lose your individuality. But we all originate from God, from God's thought, correct? You are a fractal of God consciousness. Look at it that way. Yes. That's why Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is within you. You and God are one. That was, that's what his message was, right? And it also explains why you're powerful. You are a piece of God. Your thoughts manifest. Your choices matter. What you think, do, and say is the whole point of creation. That's why the universe is holographic, right? That's why it's impossible to go to the smallest particle of a matter. It's thought energy. Who's God's energy? And even when scientists say, well, they can't explain gravity, you know, everything holds it together, the shape, the, 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 the energies, the pull. Think of gravity as the will of God, right? The will of God that has shaped his thoughts into our universe. That's how powerful God is. We, the universe, is inside of God's consciousness. And the more information that we generate through our interactions and choices, the more information grows, correct? It adds up. That's what gives us the perception that our universe is expanding. But what's the universe expanding into? There is no space and time outside of the universe. See? Right. It's a perception. It's an illusion. Because information is gathering. Information is important because consciousness, awareness, ultimately is aware of information. So you said earlier that you are Christian. How, how did this experience change you? Both spiritually. It, changed my, it actually changed what I call Christianity for me. I'm not your Christian as in your mainstream Christian, right? So what's the difference? I don't believe God came to earth as God, called himself Jesus, then sacrificed himself on the cross to himself so he could forgive us, our filthy little sins, right? And if you believe that, you're saved. That, to me, is satanic, not, not, not godly, right? What I believe is this, okay? How did Jesus save you? It's interesting. So Jesus saved you by living a perfect life. You've got the devil, right? Let's just, let's just keep it really simple in terms of names. So the devil, the main purpose of the devil is to accuse you of being not perfect. So what the devil says is this. Hey, God, have a look at your little creation over there, Jeff. Look at him. He's ridiculous. He's, he's so full of sin. He's, he's pathetic. 
or Artan is pathetic, let's say. Let's not use Jeff, right? Why would the devil be doing that? Because if the devil can show that God's creation is not perfect, that means God is not perfect. And thus the devil can challenge God's divinity. Because how can something perfect create imperfection? It can't. So what we call the devil, his business is to prove to God and to the creation that man or woman or human are intrinsically evil. We are the ones that are evil, not the devil. His job is to point our evilness out to God and say, hey, hey, look what you've created. It's a huge mistake. You're not perfect, God. I challenge your divinity. Right? Okay, so then Jesus comes along, and Jesus was born. And this is the whole immaculate conception point. Jesus' soul was directly given cleanly from God, right? Per perfectly given from God. He was the perfect human that lived a perfect life, even though he was tempted by the devil. That's that whole thing in the, in, the, in the desert of, you know, the devil tempting Jesus. He couldn't, right? That's symbolic to tell us, look, this guy lived, lived a perfect life. He wasn't tempted. He wasn't even afraid of death. And the devil couldn't pervert him, which then shows humanity, the creation in itself, is perfect. The reason why Aaron and Jeff are sinners is because we're born in ignorance. We're already born into a system that's broken. You've got no, you're going to be a sinner. I'm going to be a sinner because your environment doesn't bring out your divinity. It actually suppresses it by design. Okay. So what that, what Jesus proved is no humanity is perfect. Hence your sins are forgiven you. It's like that whole thing of now when you're doing, when you watch in law, did this person mean to kill this person or was it an accident or was it because some other factor is insane or whatever, right? And then you're not a murderer because you didn't mean to kill this person. Well, what Jesus proved by living a perfect life is that humanity as a creation is not intrinsically evil. That's how Jesus saved us. Not by being slaughtered, tortured, and killed, and then we bathe in his blood and wash away our sins. How, how barbaric. I mean, what is that all about? And that was created later on. So Jesus' Jesus's actual message was, hey, you and God are one. The kingdom of heaven is inside of you. God loves you. And find God within you. Never mind about these temples and definitely do not do your animal sacrifices. That's got nothing to do with God. right? Killing an innocent being for your sins, first of all, has no psychological benefit, has no educational benefit, benefit to you, has no moral benefit or social benefit, little and spiritual benefit. In fact, it is the one thing that will guarantee destroying your moral culture, destroying your social society, destroying your spirituality and everything, because you're putting your blame on an innocent being, saying, ah, kill him for me. Even though he's innocent, I mean, that, that is striking at the core of righteousness. 
what's right and what's wrong. Uh, scapegoating. And that's not Christianity. If Jesus was alive today, he wouldn't be a Christian. I'll tell you that right now. Before we started recording, you mentioned that you are a vegetarian. Do you think that is so? Is that so because of this experience? Nothing is because of one experience. It's a tapestry. It's a mosaic of events, right? So I mentioned earlier that I was that I am into training, gym, right? And Jeff, this wasn't the first experience that I had. My life leading up to this, I had quite a few experiences. As a little baby in a cot, they used to have made out of nets. I choked on a little hole that I ripped open, stuck my head through it, right? And they choked me. They brought me back. As a two, three-year-old, I was in the bath and the internal um, uh, water heater, which was running on gas, went off. The pilot went off and I gassed myself. I was, I was brought back. There have been a lot of, lot of incidents. I was run over at the age of four or five. I was stuck under the car. Um, I broke a leg on that, on that occasion. I've had my head injury. I've had, I've had a lot of injuries. Um, but this, this motorcycle injury was the only one where I, had a, where I had an event leading up to the actual injury, which I explained to you, right, already. I actually forgot your question while I was talking. Just I was just else. saying, while we were talking about how you became a vegetarian. How, correct, right. So after this whole event, one day I was driving back. Um, I've always loved animals, but I never married the animals I love to the food I was eating. To me, there were two different things. Meat was a product, a product, right? I didn't see the person behind the meat, right? So on the way home from the gym, I was very hungry. And being um, in our cuisine, we have meat. Uh, we eat meat. Mum would have been preparing a meat. It would have been chicken or meat, right? Knowing I'm coming back from the gym. At the lights, I stopped next to a um, what I call a slaughter truck. You know those, those big trucks that take cattle to the slaughterhouse? Right. Sheep, pig, cows. This was a cow one. And I looked, I looked up and I looked at the cow and the cow was looking at me. We made eye contact, right? And I saw it was crying. It, it, it had a, such a beautiful eye, but it was, I could actually feel that sadness. That, that, that It wasn't even afraid. It just didn't know why it was in that situation at that point, that, that animal. It was like confused, right? Because animals are actually very pure beings. They don't have premeditated hatred towards anything. Right? And that's the first time I said to myself, crap, in the S version of that word, right? I said, oh, my God, meat is the dead body of that being. A dead body. It's a dead body. I'm eating a dead body that that thought just started and then i don't want to say i heard a voice but then there was a realization again right something inside of me said you know one day you're going to stop eating meat and you're going to follow me right and being a bodybuilder 
I thought that was a ridiculous, again, I thought, I thought, I can't stop eating meat. I'm a bodybuilder, right? I'm competing on meat. I need meat. I mean, isn't it normal for us to eat meat? But by then I've learned one lesson, Jeff. I've heard that voice before, that whisper in your ear. And every time you hear that, it comes true. Okay? You don't listen to it all the time, but it's always right. And that was the beginning. When I went home that day and I saw mum slapping that steak around, right? And it already gone a little bit brown. Like, you know, when you buy your meat, it's nice and red and fresh looking. And then when you leave it in the fridge, you take it out, it's gone a little bit brown, darker, right? And when she's slapping it around, getting it all ready for me to fry it or cook it, whatever she's going to do, I started looking at it going, oh, that's that body part of that cow now. And I started freaking out, looking at that, meat as a body part now rather than an object that was the beginning of my road to vegetarianism and and it happened quite quickly bit by bit i cut it out and jeff people that are watching this that know me right they will they will attest to this right i've been gifted with huge amounts of physical strength massive strength in the gym right People actually stop and watch me train because they cannot believe I've, I've broken the bars in the gym from the weights that I've used. They've snapped in half, right? Yeah. Been blessed with a lot of strength. Once I went vegetarian, I became stronger, both physically and mentally. Which that was the one thing that freaked me out. What do you do for your source of protein? Which animal is the most muscular animal on the planet? Muscular. Yeah. Mm. Beefiest. Let's say beef is big and strong. What do you mean? The cow? How much meat does a cow eat? Right. It eats grass. A bull, a bull, right? Think of a bull. We don't use lions and cheetahs and hyenas to pull big, heavy loads, do we? Right. We use bulls or horses. I mean, think of an elephant. Think of a rhinoceros. What do they eat? Vegetables. My main source of vegetables is legumes. I'll have sweet potatoes. I have nuts, seeds, a lot of vegetables. Uh, sorry, fruits as well. I basically then discovered the Genesis diet. You, you ever heard of the Genesis diet? I have not. So this is interesting. In the Bible, God speaks, right, in Genesis, and gives humanity a diet, which is nuts, seeds, vegetables, and fruits. So I started studying the Bible a little bit, and I realized that we're meant to be eating a vegetarian diet. There's, there's no argument against that. It's called, the, it's called the Genesis diet. This is God himself or herself, he, she, telling humanity what we're meant to be eating. So if anyone from a religious perspective wants to argue against that, good luck. There is God categorically telling us what to eat. And then you've got Daniel, Daniel's diet. Right, who was beloved by God, who was sent over to to Babylon as a captive, right? He's a he's a prophet. His whole story is about not eating meat. He rejects the king's diet, and he chooses to stick to his vegetarian diet. And, you, and there's a whole story about that in the Bible as well, right? And what you will discover, and I've studied the Bible intensely, the Bible is the story of. Two gods, not one God. 
Well, it's a struggle of two gods. One, one god struggle with another god, right? So the real god doesn't want animal sacrifice. You can find all this in the Bible if you bother to read it. Not you, I'm saying people, right? Doesn't want any type of worship from you. What, what this god wants is for you to flourish and do unto others as you would want them to do unto you, as Jesus explained, right? Then you've got another god that wants blood sacrifices. You've got to slaughter animals. You've got to stand in a certain way, kneel in a certain way, do this, do that. Always worship this God. This God is jealous and angry and will kill and slaughter and, and destroy, right? Very contrasting to gods. There's two types of gods in the Bible, and it's been hidden. And with the soul, this, this, and that's what Jesus was all about. What does Jesus do? Where is he born? In a stable, correct? Or in a cave, surrounded by farm animals. Why? Why is Jesus born surrounded by farm animals? And what does he do on Palm Sunday? He goes to the temple and beats up with a whip. Yeah, this is the Prince of Peace, right? Gets a whip and starts whipping the people selling animals to be sacrificed and slaughtered. And he says, you've turned my father's house into a house of robbers. Not thieves, robbers, right? A robber is somebody that will, that will take something from you and hurt you. Violent. A thief does it behind your back. You don't even know it's happened, right? So Jesus' whole message was not to sacrifice animals for your sins. It's simply to repent and to treat each other the way you want to be treated. He rejects the, the Passover meal. You never see him eating the Passover meal. And a lot of things have been changed in the Bible. Translations, for example, when you that that whole thing of Jesus feeding the, the multitudes with uh, fish and bread. When you go back to the original translations, it's actually grapes and bread. There is no fish. Since you consider yourself a Christian, do you believe in reincarnation? I do. Absolutely. Even though that's not really part of Christianity. Isn't it? Don't they ask, in the Bible, they ask John the Baptist, who are you? Are you Elijah? Are you this? Are you that? Reincarnation is very much part of Christianity, but the modern version of Christianity, Jeff, has nothing to do with Jesus. It's got to do with Paul, what people call St. Paul. It's Paulianity. Christianity today is Paulianity. It's got nothing to do with the original form of what Jesus taught you. Why? Paul was a Roman? Actually, Paul Paul was a Jew, right, with Roman citizenship. His, his name is Saul before he becomes Paul. And his sole purpose, he was a Pharisee, right, so part of the religious caste, a, a Levite, right? And he used to hunt Christians to kill them. He wanted to destroy Christianity. But what, you, what, what, what Paul discovered was you can't kill the message by killing the believers. They needed to destroy this message. What Jesus taught was dangerous. It was a double-edged sword. It was a double-edged sword because it set you free and it destroyed the establishment. That's why after what he did at the temple on Palm Sunday, the next week he was, he was on the cross. They couldn't have that. right? So Paul tried to destroy Christianity, but he figured out he can't do it. For every Christian he killed, 
another 10 popped up somewhere. The idea, right? The message. So he had a brilliant idea. Paul said he had an event where he saw Jesus. He was self-ordained. And then he infiltrated Christianity, insisted that he's an apostle. He's the 13th self-appointed, self-appointed apostle. Nobody witnessed it. He contradicts himself three times, the story of how he was, how he met Jesus, right? Um, but he never met Jesus. All this is happening after Jesus has supposedly ascended, right? Gone. So, and, and Paul challenged the early Jerusalem church of James and the real apostles, okay? He changed everything. So he went to the Gentiles, the non-Jews, and he, he completely changed the message of Christ to, to what was already around, an, an old Egyptian sacrificial religion, the child sacrifice religion. Christianity is suggesting that God wants child sacrifice, human child sacrifice. That's what apparently Christianity believes, correct? Mm. God's own son was given to be sacrificed for our sins. That's child sacrifice. And any Christian that calls themselves a Christian should question whether that's the God they believe in because God does not want child sacrifice. The whole idea of creating uh, the chosen people, Abraham, was because he stood against child sacrifice. Everything that God hates in the Bible is to do with child sacrifice. Because back then the Canaanites were sacrificing their children. So Christianity is a cult of child, the firstborn child sacrifice cult, what they believe. I'm going to change gears with you here. Do you, it, man. do you feel that your experience that you did not get hurt is a miracle? Yes. You know, if you told me this story, so there's a guy on a motorcycle that hits head on into a truck's bull bars. Well, it wasn't a semi-trailer. I'm saying truck in the sense that smaller truck, right? Nevertheless, you've smashed it in at 137 kilometers an hour. The reason why I know it was going that fast because the speedo stopped at that. It actually stopped. I was looking at it before we hit. We're over 130. And it stopped at 137. Our impact was at that speed. And there's nothing but fresh air and some curse words between you and that steel. After watching this podcast, people may want to reach out to you and ask you questions or chit-chat with you. Are you open to that? And if so, how should they connect with you? Sure. Um, they can email me or a messenger. They can email you? Do you want me to? Yeah, I'll give, I'll give you my email. All right. So it's, should I spell it out or do you want to just put it down in, in, in the description well, later you on? You can say it and because this is also an audio podcast as well, but, and then as well as I'll put it in the, in the description. Okay. So it's A-R-T-I-N-S-N-O-N. W at gmail.com. Okay. So Arden's now at gmail.com. Okay. And then you are you going to give out your Facebook as well? Yeah, so it's Arden Der Negocian. 
That one you're going to have to put into the description, I think. It's a little bit of a mouthful too. Yeah. Right. All right. Yeah. You said that so much better than I did. (laughs) Well, I've had a lifelong practice saying it. (laughs) Before we finish up, can you leave us with one last positive message? God is not a vengeful God. God. God and you are literally closer than you are to your mother and father. Right? Because you are a piece of God. And if you meditate on that, that you are a tiny particle of God consciousness, that God truly loves you, and that if you awoke to yourself, you would truly love God, and to treat every living being the way you would like to be treated, you're an enlightened soul. That's it. There's nothing more enlightening than that, right? I don't step on snails. I don't step on ants because I don't want something larger than me to step on me. It's as simple as that. And if we, we all have dark moments in life, Jeff, right? And many of us will turn to God in a dark moment and say, oh, God, please help me or have mercy on me, right? Well, why should God have mercy on you when you have no mercy for anyone else, yourself? So that's my message. Well, Artin, thank you so much for that message, as well as being my guest today. I really appreciate you, and I wish you the best. Likewise. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye.